I'm driving and now I'm, I'm speaking on the subject is a love for people. It's part of a series of every believer's core value for 2021. I spoke about integrity. I spoke about being a light and salt to the world. I spoke about winning the loss. Today, I'm going to talk to you about a love for people. So I'm driving in. I'm listening to worship music. I'm getting ready to, to, to be here, and, and I get a text. Now, I didn't look at it, okay? I'm driving, all right? Just, just in case, you know, someone's watching. And, and, and so when I got here, I opened it up. And, 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 and it was from a very good friend, David Wright. David is the pastor at LifeLink Church. And, and David sends me this text. is saying that Chandler First Assembly is their focused prayer this Sunday morning. So I want you to know that as I'm talking about a love for people, God says, I'm going to demonstrate that and that you be a recipient of that. I have a church that is many times bigger than you that love you and that they are praying a prayer of covering and God's blessing upon this church right now. And so I am so thankful. And, and you know, it's, it's speaking of, of, of love and love for people. And I thought, mm, should I do this or not? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there is just so little of. I'm no Joe Jackson, okay? But, but listen to me. If there's ever a time when what the world needs now is love, sweet, Holy Spirit-filled, God-directed love. It's today. And John, well, the 13th chapter we're going to get into. But let's pray first. Because I, I want our minds to be focused. As, as we have a, a churches praying over us, other believers praying over us, there's a reason for that. And I want the Holy Spirit to have our full attention to say to us what he wants to say and use us in a way he wants to use us. You open for that? Yes. Heavenly Father, it is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that I pray over this message today. Lord, that you have intended this message for this season, for this moment, You've laid these, this word upon me months ago, Lord, in the preparation of the coming year. Now, Lord, here we are in this season, in this time, where we need as a body of Christ to love a love for people like we have never had before. Speak to us. I pray, Lord, that this congregation here in the sanctuary and you online, I pray that you will not only hear this, but walk in obedience of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, he said that we must love each other as I have loved you. <laughs> 
I, I think about that and thinking, I'm to love everybody like he loves me. Now, I can love you because you're all wonderful. But, but there might be some people that challenge me in that kind of love. Maybe, okay? And, and how do I love those people like Christ has loved me? And he says, and the reason I want you to do that is that because I want them to know that if you love me like that, that means you are my disciple and that they will know that we are his disciples by that love. That means they have to see it in action. It's not just a, I quote the cute words, I love you, Jesus, and that's nice, and I want us to say that, but he says, I want you to live it. I want you to love people like I love you. Well, it's a two observations. We to love each other as Jesus loves us, and our love for others indicates that we are his followers. So here's Jesus. He's taking a stroll down the road, He's walking around, and he asks this question. He says, ah, who's my neighbor? Well, that word neighbor is an interesting word in the Greek and Latin. And the root word neighbor means nigh, means to draw near. It needs to be near. It means to close, be close to someone else. So he's saying that I want you to love me with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then I want you to love your neighbors as yourself. Now, but I, I receive that love because that's how he loves me. Hmm. He wants us to draw close. Why is that? Because I need to get to know that. So I'll talk about that in a moment. See, loving one another, not should be, we want to think about it. It must be a 2021 core value, not only here at CFA, but in every individual. In John 13, well, John 13, 14, 15, and 16, is such an intimate chapters of the gospel. This is the last night before the garden, before Jesus goes there and, and prays, before his crucifixion. And so... Here's what happens in this setting. Jesus is gathering his homeboys, and they got together in this upper room, and, that, and, and they're going to talk. Now, they're coming together, and, and they, they go in this upper room, but there's something a little bit different, because, see, the custom is, is that when you go to a place like this, they have a servant waiting. And, and, and that servant waits as you come walking into that room for that gathering. They'll wash your feet. And, and, and it's not just because they, it's a nice thing, a gesture. It's because your feet stink. It, it's the, they've been walking around. And, and I know it's right before lunch, but believe me, when, when they're walking in times of Jesus out in those roads, that sidewalk or that road is not only for the people. It's for animals, beasts. And, and, and they'll do what they want to do when they want to do it. So, so they're walking, and, and maybe, oh, oh you know. Yeah. So, so you don't want to bring that into the house, so there's a servant there. Well, and, and there's a guest there waiting for them. Well, here they, they come to this, this upper room, and, and what happens is, well, they notice there is, there's this basin and water, but there's no servant. Hmm. 
and there's no one greeting them. Now, <laughs> I, I, I love men, and, and, and we men have this, these thoughts is that, okay, who's going to do this? Now, it's, maybe they're thinking Peter, you know, the way he thinks is there's this pecking order. Well, you know, Peter, you know, I'm Peter. There's James and John, and, and we are the inner circle, so it's not going to be us. So we're thinking, who's the newest? Who's the newest? Or, or better yet, let's get the youngest, because he better line himself up, you know. Let's get the youngest guy to, to be able to do this. And, and as they're doing this, Jesus is walking around, and, and he, he gets this basin, water and that, and, and, and then he walks around, and he's going, they're looking, what's he going to do? You know. He's going to wash some feet. So he walks around and he's going to get wash their feet. And I'm thinking, hmm, I thought about this. Okay, I've done this before. And I thought, hmm, I could, maybe I could wash someone's feet today. But in a world of social distance, people are not going to wash my feet. <laughs> but but here, here's the truth of the matter is that even in social distance, somebody said, you're not going to wash my feet. Because I, I remember when I washed the feet of our children at a VBS one time. It was, it was so much fun to, to wash their feet. But, but I guarantee you, I wish I had this mask on, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and here's Peter. And, and, you know, good old Pete, he, you know, he's always one streamer or the other. And, and he looks at Jesus. He goes, oh, you're not going to wash my feet. And, and, and Jesus' response, he comes back to him and says, listen, Pete, I, I want you to understand this. If I don't wash your feet, I have nothing to do with you. That's it. Well, here goes Peter, no, no filter. And so Peter says, not only my feet, Lord, wash my head and my hands, you know. Give me a sponge bath, you know. Uh, he's all in on this. Well, <laughs> Jesus was uh, exhibiting this incredible heart to be able to love others, no matter what position. And, and, and here's what I want you to take note of. Jesus demonstrated uh, these attitudes. He says, nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. Do you know that he knew who he was. And he knew where he was going. And he knew his mission and what he was doing. So he had this incredible security of what he was about to do. And within 24 hours, he knew but who he was and that he knew his identity was rock solid and he was able to do this incredible thing is die for us. Die for our sins. Yours and mine. Now, I have a hard time dealing with my own. You know, I have a few. Uh, uh, and, and, and you have a few. And, and, and take yours on with mine was, would be a bit. That, that's why it was so hard for Jesus when, when he was on the cross that the sins of the world was upon him, and God the Father can't look at that sin. That's why he's saying, you know, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Because he felt the heaviness of that 
abandonment in a sense, even though I'm sure he wasn't. But that's what it felt like. Think about it. He was able to endure the betrayal of a friend, Peter. I mean, I'm Judas. He was able to comfort his disciples in all this when he should be comforted. He was able to handle the denial of the closest friend, Peter, who denied him not once or twice, but three times. He was able to turn his cheek when the mockery of his trial was coming about. He was willing to, well, turn everything over to God when he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. (sighs) Then he was willing to die. See, all these things happened because of this unbelievable incredible love that he had for people. There was um, this Olympics going on, and I love sports. I mean, I could watch any kind of sports. Football, I could watch the peewee league. You know, the kids who are six, seven years old, they get the ball and run the wrong direction. I just, you know, I just love that stuff. And, and, and here's this Special Olympics, and, and they're running this 100-yard dash. So these kids, you know, they're getting ready. They're going to run that 100-yard dash, and, and the gun goes off, and they start running. They're running down that, that track, and all of a sudden, the kid in behind them, he trips and falls. So what do they do? They all stop, every one of them. They all stop. They turned around. They picked him up, and they're holding him, and they all walked across the, the finish line together. Well, what a demonstration of what a church should be like but such incredible love for each other. Well, there's this beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and it gives us some insight of how we could love like Jesus because what must we do to love as Jesus loved? I'm going to ponder that because you need to think, if he asked me to do that, how can I do that? Is that really possible that I could show that kind of love? And he says, to become a neighbor, well, when he became, well, Paul became this neighbor of this motley crew of this port town in Corinth. He he says, I want to talk to you about some of this. How you could love as Jesus loved. So first of all, Paul abandons his rights. Now, I want you to take note that we live in, in a world today that we have rights. We all have rights. And I, and I see the injustice that there is all around us. And I could understand why people are saying, I have rights. Hmm. So in verse 3, Paul addresses this. And he says this, this is my defense to those who set in judgment on me. <laughs> Notice this next phrase. He says, don't we have the right to food and drink? I mean, don't we? We have food pantries. We have food banks. We have all for people. I mean, they have a right to eat. In verse 5, 
get ready for this. It says, we don't have the right to take the believing. Um, oh, don't we have the right to take the, um, the believing wife along with us as do some of the apostles and the Lord's brothers? And then in verse 11, he says, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much? If we you know, reap a marital harvest from you, he's, he's saying, is it too much that we reap? Maybe he's saying, I have the right to receive a, a, a marital harvest of what, what we're doing in these spiritual blessings and what is going on. Hmm. Then in, in verse 12, it says, if others have rights of support for you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Oh, my goodness. Thinking, touch you. Yeah. Well, am I special? I, I was talking to someone before the service about sports and, and athletes and talking about a quarterback and, and, and all the other guys, they're playing hard and practice, hitting each other and everything else. But the quarterback, they're not allowed to touch. <laughs> Uh, prima donnas, you know. Uh, well, some people that I had, don't, don't we have the right? Don't we have the right? Well, Paul says this three times, and, and there's some truth there. Maybe a whole lot of truth in that. But listen what he says next. He, he says this. I want you to notice in verse 12, but... We did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with, why do you see this? We put up with, let's say, some things, no, few things. We put up with everything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to put up with him or her or they do this or that. And, and my response is, yes, you do. I don't like that. Well, that's why we give up our rights. Paul abandoned his rights to become a neighbor, to draw nigh to them, to become close to someone. Because, you see, unless I become close to them, how am I going to get to know who they are and, and what they are going through? Arlene always gets, gets intrigued that, that I could talk to a telephone pole, and I may have at one time or another. But I'm, I'm at this grocery store, and, 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 and I walk out, and I'd say, wow, that was interesting. She goes, what was interesting? Goes, well, the guy right there, he, uh, he's going through a divorce. His son is an athlete. He's having a hard time. He's failing at school. He may not be able to play sports this season. She goes, you were just getting groceries, Tom. Why would that guy tell you all that? Well, everyone has a story. And, and what happened, I looked at, 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 we was at the grocery store, and his, his son standing beside him, and, and he looked like a statue of Samson, you know, muscles everywhere and all over the place. And, and I think, man, is your son buffed as he plays sports. And wham! If we would only listen. You, you see, in, in 2020, the setting was for the world, and, and, and rightfully so, to take knowledge that there's rights that are being taken away from people, and so we're screaming for our rights. But what happens when that comes into the church, 
And, and that I have the right that not giving up that right to reach people is that we begin, well, not to be as effective because he says, I am to love them as he loves me. In fact, he, he says, we are our brother's keeper, does he not? Here's what Paul is saying. Paul, Paul is saying this. Is secondly, Paul's acceptance of the responsibility. I'm not only willing to give up my rights, I'm willing to understand, listen to, that I, have, I am responsible for people, that I am my brother's keeper, and, I, and that I am a debtor to every person. <clears throat> you enjoy it. Owing someone to be indebted to them, you know? Do you, do you, do you write your car payment on it and say, oh, I'm so happy to do this. I love giving you that interest, you know? Yeah. When you go and get your, your groceries and there's taxes on it, and all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a carton of eggs or something is, is much higher than it used to be, and think, oh, this is so much fun. I love being debt to these farmers. But, but the truth of the matter is, we are. Do you know that, that you in the back, you're, you're in debt to someone in the front. And, and, and someone in the front, you're in debt to someone in the back. We are to care for each other. So where did Paul learn this? Well, he, of course he learned it from Jesus, going back to that whole foot washing episode. He picked up that basin, and he walked around and started washing their feet. Did you know that? Because that, he seen he needed to be responsible. No one else, none of the other disciples, they're dealing with the pecking order thing. Not me, I'm, I'm who I am. I'm the inner circle, and on it goes. And no one's doing anything in Jesus. I wonder if he just waited, then he did it. And so two times, that basis, that one time is showing the responsibility. And within 24 hours, there's that second story about a basin of water, but, but it's with Pilate. And Pilate's having all this pressure around him, and Pilate's realizing that this guy is innocent. He, he's not guilty of anything, but there's this pressure of doing, not doing the right thing. And he gives into it, and he washes his hands with it. He goes, crucified. Wow. Two different worlds. But see, the idea that when we are responsible, there truly is a cost. But it's a cost for what? The cost of showing God's love to someone. What is that worth? Thirdly, there is an acceptance of the role of a servant. Acceptance of being that? <laughs> Verse 19 says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. He didn't say to few, to some, to my family, to my close friends. He says, to all that I might win the more. Wow. That's why. That's why I'm so excited about this. Because when you learn, you online and you in this sanctuary, when you learn to love people like Jesus loves you, 
When I spoke about reaching the lost and expand those 10 stakes, I'm serious about that because when we start doing that, People will flock here because they can sense that there is the love of Christ that is flowing out of this body of Christ because we care about you as an individual. The highest authority is not the law. The highest authority is love. I don't need more laws. We want to set up all types of laws to be able to say, you need to do this. Well, I don't need laws. I need more love, that sweet love that there's so little bit of in this world in which we live in today, and it is that love of Jesus Christ because that love will change that life. It will change that hard hard heart. It will conform those people into that, well, that image of God in which he has for us. Fourthly, is that adjustment to the people's needs. The adjustment, you mean I have to adjust to that idiot? Did I say that? But, but sometimes that's, we may not say it, but that's what we're thinking because I want them to adjust to me. I'm a child of God. I'm going to show them what it looks like. They need to start adjusting to that. But that's not what he's asking. And listen to this. This is just absolutely incredible what he's asking of us. And we see in verses 20 through 22, he said, to the Jews, I become. Remember that word. Three times he says this here. I become a Jew in order to win Jews. And to those under the law, I become as one under the law. And those do uh, not being my um, being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. We go to verse 21. To those outside the law, I become. You see what he's doing? He is adjusting as one outside the law, not being without the law towards God, but under the law of Christ, that I may win those outside the law. And then verse 22. To the weak, I become weak. And that I might win the weak. I have become, wow, something. No, I become, I'll just a little bit, no. I become all things to all men that I might be all means save some. It's quiet. In other words, this is what Paul is saying. I'm willing to adjust and adapt myself based on need, okay? Culture. <laughs> I need to understand that culture of that person. I, I love living here in Arizona because when I lived up north, I didn't have the privilege to understand the culture of our native Indians as I do today. There's influences in their lives, why they think and do the things that they do these days. And, and it's just, wow. The priorities, their priorities, interests, their hurts, their concerns, anything to be able to reach people. Now, you know, that's why Jesus did that. 
I mean, he lived in a resort. Heaven. Wow, hallelujah, I'm going to be there someday. Heaven. And he left that to come here. Not to be a king, to be an infant, to be needy to a human being. A child, actually, is a teenage girl who really, I don't know, wow, what she's going to do. And yet, he left that because he wanted for us to know he understood where we were or are as a people. But yet, sometimes, now here's where I do the prefix of it, so maybe you say, okay, you know I love you. But sometimes we Christians, we don't want to be, well, put out. We don't want to have to adjust. We just want those people to change. But we don't want to change in any matter to be able to reach and understand them. It really shouldn't be that way. Um, Because I become amazed is, is that when we don't get to understand where they're coming from, how can I ever be able to know what's going on in their life to touch their lives? I shared this story before, and it bears repeating, is, is one day I'm driving down the road, and, and there's this guy asking for money for food. He looked pretty good. He was young, looked pretty healthy. What does he need food for? I drove past him, and I'm thinking, hey, pal, get a job. And, and, and within a few yards, less than 100 yards down the road, there was well, not a tap on my shoulder. There was this, you know, two by four to the side of my head. The Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he says, how do you know what's going through him, his life? How do you know what has happened to him? How do you know what has broken him? And let me ask you this. He really gives it to me, and he says, how long would it take me to break you? What about if I take your wife away from you? Your children, your job. Your health. How long would it take? A month, a week, a couple of days, an hour? <laughs> guess, guess what I did? I did a U-turn. <laughs> Went back, turned around again, another U-turn, because I needed to go where he was and, and pull aside the road, and I gave him money. I didn't ask what he's going to do with because that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is saying, you need to be obedient. And, and he's asking us to understand. And if I would have just maybe been a little more obedient and just stopped and, and pulled off the road that much more just to talk with him, I may have understood why he was doing what he was doing and to show him that love of God. Because it makes, it's, sometimes it is inconvenient. But I love this church because you love to be inconvenient. I, 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 love, I, I love our life groups because they love to be inconvenient because when someone is hurting in that group, they do everything they can to help them out. I, I love our 12-step. When, when someone is, is being uh, 
challenged and to take another drink. They could call the 12-step leader and he'll be there for them and talk them through this. I, I love our grief support because when no one wants to talk to someone because that's so uncomfortable. When someone dies, well, what do I say to them? You don't say a thing. Should be there. They want someone, they want to know that they're not alone in the most lonely moment of their life. And they're okay with that. I, I love our men and women who, who are praying for each other. You could just call them up and they're going to pray immediately over that phone. I, I love my board because there is nothing that they wouldn't do for this church. I would ask them to do something, and, and they're doing it with such great joy, and it brings great inconvenience for them. It says, inconvenience me more, Pastor. Hmm. I love my pastoral staff because there's times that I ask them to do things that is not even in the ozone of their ministry, but they say, oh, sure, I'll do that, and they stop, and they do it. I love our volunteers. Oh, man. It's, it's in between services. You're like a beehive over this place, spraying things down, wiping everything off, doing everything you can to make everyone say. And, you're, and, and it's like you're, you know, singing. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And I'm having a ball. And, and let me say, if, if, you, if you'd like to be a part of being inconvenient, to, to show that love of God, give, give Pastor James a call because he oversees our volunteers and he would love to put, make you more inconvenient, you know, because, and, and you're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hmm. Wow. Number five. This message, I want to talk to you about the anticipation of rewards. Now, you, you holy ones, you're saying, oh, I, I, don't know. It's, I don't do it for rewards. I, I, I do it because I, I love Jesus. And I know you do. But, but get over that, okay? Because they're coming. They really are. And, 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 and the rewards aren't this cute little, you know, thing. It's, 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 it's like, your, like Christmas morning, your birthday, anniversary, uh, a promotion, a, Chris, a, a, a bonus at work, and, and, and uh, you, 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 um, the publishing house thing you won, you know, all wrapped up in one. And, and, then, and then you multiply that by 100 or 1,000 or whatever number you want to put it, and it doesn't even match it yet. And here's, here's, here's what, what I would love to see what's happening, because I really think it would be something like this. Not exactly, but something like this. Because we think that it is the significant things that we do in, in, in touching people's lives. But it's not the significant things. It's the insignificant things that really takes notice. Because God's word says, if you give a cup of water in my name, he takes notice because he's done, as though you have done it under, under me. So some of you, as you're walking in the service this morning, and you see someone, and you greet them, and maybe you didn't even know them, and you welcome them, God says, check. That's, that's pretty cool. And, and, and if you give that cup of water in, in someone, you know, in, in his name to someone, just, just a little cup, check. If you show a kind word to someone who looks kind of sad, 
check, you encourage them. The simplest, insignificant things he's noticing. And here's what I think. I want you to picture this because this is incredible. And I think I'm really downplaying it because I think when we're in heaven, and, and that we're sitting before God, and, and he says, you know that insignificant thing you did? And you're trying to think about, well, while we're in heaven, we're going to remember everything. Then wouldn't that be nice? Wow, I just thought of that. My memory's coming back. And, and the beauty of all that is, is that maybe it shows up on this gigantic jumbo screen, and all of a sudden, it shows you being kind to someone, shows you encouraging someone, shows you being respectful to someone, and all of a sudden, that thing comes up. People see it. Not a couple people, but 10,000 times, 10,000 times, 10,000 of people that are seeing this. And there's roar and goes, Woo! That's incredible. That is amazing. That is wonderful. You give a cup of water. That's how powerful loving each other as Christ loves you is. He takes notice. And if he's taking notice, it must be significant. And when we live in a world that is so broken, a world that is crying out for some, some, some kind of love, some kind of respect, some kind of rights that, that they, they've been taken advantage of in every way possible, God's word says, I have the answer. It's the church. I don't have to create a law. I just give you an example. My son, Jesus Christ, he washed their feet. The son of the living God who bore our sins, who died on, on the cross, washed our feet. I could do that. I could do that. I can't imagine. Here's what I'm going to say to you this morning. I really want to encourage you this afternoon or sometime next week to pull this message back up on our website. Watch it again. Is this important? Because sometimes we think we hear something that is good and then we forget half of it by the time we get home and by the evening we forgot 80, 90% of it. I'm preaching it, and I can't always quote it all. I reread my notes. I go, wow. Wow, that was you, God. Because we need to be the people who love people as Christ loved us in this broken world. And when they see the body of Christ, they say, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. I want you to stand with we're going to pray. First of all, we're going to pray that maybe you're here and that someone in your life hurt you. And, and, and you're hurting because you, it's kind of hard to say, how could I love people when I've been taken advantage of someone? It's just, you're the best person to do this because you know how it feels. But first, you need that healing in your life. So, so I'm going to pray for that healing first of all. Could I do that? 
you watching online, Holy Spirit sees that. So if you would bow your heads with me just for a moment, and, 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 and you're hurting. This morning, all types of people acknowledge this. And they could feel the presence of, of that healing touch of God in people's lives that was happening immediately. So, so you've been hurt, and it's difficult for you to show that love for other people when you have been so disrespected, and that love has not been shown to you. You would like to do that, but it's painful. You're going through that sorrow, and you desire to have God's healing in your life. And, and if that's you, only thing I ask you to do so, so I can come in agreement with you is to just look up at me. Let me make eye contact with you. Am I speaking to you? Yes. Oh, I love you. Yes. 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 Oh, wow. Yes. 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 It, it feels like it's almost like something being thrown at me and pushing me back. I can sense that hurt and brokenness. But so can God. So, Heavenly Father, it is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, right now that you would bring that restoring work in these lives. That, that I know that it would be hard for them to love anybody, especially those who offended them. But, Lord, you're asking us to even do that, to love our enemies. And so I can't do that without you, but I can't do that until there's that healing in my own body. Do that in the name of Jesus right now. Bring that restoring work. And bring, Lord, that incredible, comforting awareness of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray.